seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This was a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It's now a podcast about one of the worst serial killers in modern times. At 12.52pm on Friday, August the 18th, 2023, we brought you the news that a neonatal nurse was guilty of killing babies in her care. After a trial lasting for over 10 months and more than 110 hours of painstaking deliberation, the jury decided that Lucy Letby murdered seven babies at the Countess of Chester Hospital and she tried to kill six more. She was cleared of two further charges of attempted murder and the jury could not reach verdicts on six further allegations. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail. I've been in court throughout and have reported on the case as it developed. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week we've examined what's happened and brought you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. So here we are again outside Manchester Crown Court and we're here because what we were finding out today was whether the prosecution in this case would be seeking retrials for any of the charges the jury couldn't return verdicts on. Yeah, so we know the jury returned verdicts on 16 counts, but there were six charges that they couldn't decide upon. And today was the day the prosecution had to decide whether they would go for a retrial on any of those charges. And the answer is, is yes. Today they confirmed just a few hours ago that they will retry one of those charges. We've just come from inside court four where Nick Johnson Casey told the judge, Mr Justice Goss, and actually he also told Lucy Letby, who we could see on a video link from Newhall Prison in Wakefield, that she will be facing another trial in relation to the attempted murder of baby Kay. And she was the baby girl who was born in February 2016. But Mr Johnson said that the prosecution wouldn't be seeking a retrial in relation to the other five charges of attempted murder that the jury couldn't decide upon. And, and just to recap, Caroline, these five charges related to four different babies. Two baby girls, baby H and baby J, and two baby boys, baby N and baby Q. 
We have already heard actually from one of the solicitors representing some of the families of those babies who've said that they're disappointed by the decision. Tamlin Bolton from Switowski's has said the parents will now have to find answers about what happened to their children via a civil case or the public inquiry. But she did stress that she remains committed to doing so. The CPS have said that the decision to decide which charges to retry was an extremely complex one and they said they'd spoken to the families concerned about how they made the decision not to proceed in some of the cases. All right so what happens now? So the judge told the court that the retrial would likely take around two to three weeks but you know as we know Caroline there's a massive backlog in cases in the justice system so the first available date for the retrial is June the 10th next year. The judge also wanted to know the outcome of Lucy Letby's application to appeal her convictions before that took place. Now, because a retrial has been ordered, we, the media, must now be really, really careful about what we report. Lucy Letby must be able to get a fair trial. So we're not allowed to report in detail any of the evidence that came out in that original trial. So for that reason, our episode today is our final episode and we're going to spend a bit of time trying to answer some of the questions you've been sending us over the past few months. So we're going to get away from the traffic and back into the studio. Welcome to episode 64. Over to you. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So, Liz, we need to say it's the last podcast for now anyway. And the reason we've called it over to you is because over the course of the last year, we've had loads and loads and loads of questions that for legal reasons, mainly during the trial, we couldn't answer. Yeah, that's right. So for this, our last episode for now. For a while. Anything that happens in this trial or this inquiry or any appeal or any retrial going forward, We will be here. We will cover it. We will do exactly what we've done is bring you the facts. Yeah. But we think for now, we have brought you everything we can bring you and we should pause just until we know what's coming. So we are delighted to have our producer, Julia Webster, in the studio. Normally, Julia is in London and produces the podcast for us remotely. But we dragged her up north in the rain (laughs) uh, to come and join us. Thanks so much for having me in your beautiful studio. 
So what we're going to do today, as we said, is we are going to try and answer some of your questions. So Julia is going to be each and every one of you reading out those questions. I will be the Vanna White of your questions. (laughs) (laughs) And we will do our best to answer them. Some of them we still can't answer, I'm afraid. Some of them are still bound by some legal Mm -hmm. issues. We need to be really, really careful still. But we'll do our best to answer. And we should else. say thanks for everyone that's written in because oh uh, God, we've yeah. been inundated and delighted that everyone has written in with the things that have been bugging them. Right. Well, I think we should probably start at the top. First question Dan asks I just wondered what was the main key factor behind deciding to produce, write, and air the podcast in the first place? So shall I start? Yeah, you start, Liz. So essentially what happened was my boss in the Mail in London knew that I was going to be embarking on covering the Lucy Lapby trial for the newspaper. And I think it was the first or second day of the Mm, opening. And I got a phone call saying, oh, someone thinks it might be a good idea for us to do a podcast on this. Do you think you could do it? And I kind of went, oh, okay, no broadcasting experience, but um, I'm not going to say no, maybe I could do it. And I literally went to bed that night thinking, how on earth am I going to get my head around this and how is this going to work? And then woke up in the morning and went, aha, I know someone that can help me. (laughs) (laughs) Your background, obviously, is a broadcast journalist and you do um, make podcasts for other companies. Yeah, so I was a BBC journalist for many years, making audio for sort of 10, 15 years. I now lecture at the University of Salford in podcasting. At the time... The biggest issue was the legal issue, wasn't it? The lawyers were very, very twitchy, understandably, Mm. at the beginning because they couldn't see, I don't think, at the beginning exactly how it would work and how we would get around the kind of very tight restrictions of a running trial. Our biggest hurdle was contempt of court Mm -hmm. because if we'd influenced this trial in any way, it would have been disastrous for many, many people, not just for us journalistically, but for the families and the police and the court system. And Lucy Letby. And Lucy Letby. So therefore, we did. We wanted to do nothing that could influence this trial. And you're right, the lawyers were twitchy would be, would be one word. Mm. And then we both decided that we had to keep the families of the babies at the forefront of our minds. And you said, I think we should do an episode at least per baby. And that structure seemed to be the natural... Yeah, I think because the babies weren't being named and still aren't, It was really difficult to Mm. humanise this story, wasn't it? So we said, well, actually, let's try and humanise it as much as we can by giving each baby their own episode. So, Dan, that's the answer, Dan, to that question. So throughout the trial and throughout our podcast, there have been some comments made about the voice-ups, some critical and some not so critical. Mm. And so maybe, Caroline, do you want to talk a little bit about who was voicing them up and maybe why... They were voiced up the way they were voiced up. Yeah, this is really interesting because at the beginning, especially, we were getting a lot of this. And it's been really frustrating not to be able to answer Mm. it, actually. And and credit to the voiceover of Lucy Letby, a wonderful journalism graduate called Jessica Mason, who was our voiceover for Lucy Letby. We were not able in Lucy Letby's voiceovers or, in fact, many of the WhatsApp messages Mm. that we voiced up as well. We were not allowed legally to put any emphasis because it may have inferred emotion, just any sort of inflection at any Mm. point in those voiceovers. We were not allowed to do it. The lawyers were really keen that any voiceovers of Lucy Letby did not infer anything. 
it was deliberate on our part and she she took a bit of flack for it to be honest yeah and not and she we had absolutely no choice but to make yeah. sure that none of the voiceovers were um in any way prejudicial all right so another question so many people asked probably our most popular question why did certain doctors and staff remain anonymous throughout the trial so this question relates to the nine members of staff at the hospital who were granted anonymity by the judge before the trial began. What the judge agreed was that these professional witnesses who we should say all applied for anonymity to the court under section 46 of the Youth Justice and Criminal Evidence Act. So this law was actually brought in because it was designed to protect witnesses in gangland trials. Now, obviously, that doesn't apply in this case. So people might ask, why did the judge grant these doctors and nurses anonymity? Unfortunately, those reasons are protected. And we aren't allowed to tell you the exact reasons that they were granted anonymity. But we can tell you that these orders are only made for two reasons, really. The first reason is if the quality of the evidence that they give is likely to be diminished by reason of fear or distress. So Again, I've seen these granted before where a young person has witnessed a shooting or a murder where several gang members charged with the murder and they fear that, you know, if they their name is made public that they could be subject to retribution, you know, they fear for their lives essentially. Mm. Now the other reason, which is more likely in this case, is that if the granting of anonymity is likely to improve the quality of the evidence or the level of the cooperation of the witness. And we should say, Caroline, that several media organisations banded together and paid for a barrister to try and argue against these anonymity orders because we felt it wasn't in the interest of open justice for these mm. people to be anonymous. But the judge disagreed. From a journalist perspective, it feels potentially, we've had lots of journalists talk mm. to us about this, what you might call a slippery slope. The point of open justice is that things are done in the open, apart from for really good reason. And obviously, in this case, the judge decided these anonymity orders were for really good reason. Especially for professional witnesses who are yeah. doing professional jobs. It felt to me and some of our colleagues, you know, slightly draconian. But obviously, it's something we have to abide by. The judge did agree for us to be able to report the occupation of these people, which was vital, really, because it would have been almost impossible to report the evidence accurately if none of these people could be named or their occupations could be revealed because, obviously, a lot of them were doctors, nurses. Mm. We should also say that a lot of these witnesses also gave evidence from behind a screen, which is also becoming more common in courtrooms. Sheila asks... Can the families of the babies or any surviving babies themselves, when they reach adulthood, waive their anonymity if they wish to? The anonymity orders actually relate to the mums and dads of the babies. They were granted anonymity. So we couldn't obviously name the babies because that would reveal the identity of the parents. In fact, the order that was imposed actually allowed the media to use the first names of the babies, but there was a collective decision amongst the media not to do that because some of them had fairly unusual names and um, journalists have to be careful of what's called jigsaw ID, where the identities of people can be known by um, different means, essentially. You know, So 
it was a collective decision by the media to use letters instead of the first names of the babies. So that's why they became known as Babies A to Q. The answer to whether can they waive their anonymity if they wish to, the short answer is they cannot just simply waive their anonymity. They have to go back to the judge and ask her to lift the order. But I'd be surprised if any judge refused that if a mum or a dad wanted to do that. Yeah. So Seashell asks, what is the likely timeline of determining if Lucy will be granted a review or appeal? If it is granted, what is the likely timeline of that starting? And will you be allowed to cover it as you did with the initial trial? Okay, so we should say, first of all, we absolutely will cover any appeal if and when it happens. So yes, is the answer to the second part of the question. If an appeal is granted and there is an appeal hearing, we will absolutely be there. In terms of it being granted an appeal, it could be an appeal hearing happening. It would be around six months. The Court of Appeal, like all courts, is busy because this is a high-profile case. It could be fast-tracked and be heard uh, sooner than that. Also, that depends if... I suppose Mr. Myers is ready within six months to kind of put forward his case again. Okay, so Carolyn asks a bit of a different question. If Lucy Letby requests to access your podcast, is she allowed to hear it? The short answer is I've no idea. Not a clue. If she wants to listen to the podcast, I don't know why anyone would refuse it, but I I don't know what the situation is. In prison, to be Mm. absolutely honest, that's one of the ones we can't answer. No. (laughs) For sure, anyway. So just to wrap it up, Ron has asked, how has the case impacted your personal lives? Well, I've spent more time with Liz Hall than I've ever spent with anybody (laughs) in my whole life for the past year. (laughs) Seen you more often than my husband or my children. Same, (laughs) same. From my perspective, I think you cover these cases and you do it you do it as a professional. So you have to do it impartially. You have to take a little bit of emotion out of it. And in fact, actually, a trial process is quite clinical. It's quite cold. Mm-hmm. The actual day-to-day work of mm. a trial is quite clinical, cold, detached. Yeah, I've pretty much lived and breathed only this story for this case, this story for the best part of a year now. I mean, I was taken away from my usual day-to-day reporting job just to focus on the trial which is you know fairly unusual in our profession you don't normally get the opportunity to dedicate yourself to one story for this length of time so you become really invested in it and I tell you who really summed it up so well just going back to the court watches episode was Ollie you know he spoke so eloquently about you know the week after the verdicts, walking past Manchester Crown Court and all the cameras had gone, yeah. media circus has left. It is one of those cases that is unique in your career and is one of those cases that you never forget. Yeah, no, I would absolutely, absolutely agree with that. So that's it for this final episode, episode 64. But we will be back as soon as we have anything to share, any updates on anything linked to this trial or that public inquiry. Liz and I will be back to let you know. But before we go, Caroline, there's definitely a few people that we should thank. Julia, our producer, obviously, and all our guests that were kind enough to give up their time and come on. 
and so many more people who have been involved either in some production of this podcast or involved in the voiceovers of this podcast. We should thank at the top Jessica Mason, Brendan Cox, Liz Theaker, Sam Morris, Nick Pinnington, Cameron Gordon and George Ike. You've all been fantastic, you and everybody else who've helped us on the podcast. Just finally and most importantly of all, a massive thank you to you, our listeners. You've listened and you've shared the podcast in your millions and you've stuck with us for the best part of a year. Liz and I are both incredibly grateful for your support, so thank you. See you again soon. series everything i know about me is back for a brand new season and this time our guest needs no introduction but here's one anyway hi i'm Gemma collins and this is everything i know about me if you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again. Because this is the GC as you've never heard her before. It's been exhausting. And ashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby. I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh, yeah... I remember that being really stressful. Everything I know about me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.